Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, dum-dums? As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them. With our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. AG, baseball's back in full swing, and there are no shortages of ways to get in the action. Bet Online has all the odds, futures, and props. You'll be a betting son of a bitch. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. My goodness, he'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on all the costs of his bling. Brendan, I didn't know jewelry betting was missing from my life. Yeah. I now know. Now you know. Visit Bet Online AG today to check out all the odds. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone. You don't get no better than that, man. Tigers trying to turn up the tempo on second and five with a 40. Ryan with the time. The pass. It is And a touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the man. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is your Uber driver with COVID, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Not joining us tonight is Caleb Bungart, who uh, he told me, Colin, this little stretch during the summer where he hasn't been able to make the show. It's about to come to an end. He said, uh, due to family moving schedules around, he said he's going to likely be available next time. I will believe it when I see it. Well, people have been missing Caleb, obviously. They uh, prefer his sultry voice to ours. Sure. Also, um, I think sometimes he actually knows some of the players' names, which I find impressive. <laughs> That's always helpful. Anyway, I we've decided to do another show. <laughs> Football season soon approaches. Yeah. I think we're a month away now. Consequences be damned. Here we are. <laughs> well, we want us some football. You know? Yes, we sure do. And it's about to start. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it does feel... Football, high school football is starting, and usually yeah. that coincides with college football. So having to wait an additional month for this to start mm-hmm. uh, feels a little strange. Yeah, it's but a, it's it's coming. It's like uh, what do they call it whenever they're a premature ejaculation? No, uh, I think they're called edgers. Are you familiar with the concept of edging? Uh, help me out. Okay. Well, it's much like whenever football's going for the high school level, mm-hmm. and you, you're so close, you know you're so close, but you're just not quite there because you got to wait a month. Edging. Mm-hmm. is when a fella is mm-hmm. in, engaging in uh, carnal activities with sure. himself. And, uh, or with <laughs> getting, others. Getting to know himself in the biblical sense. Correct. And I'm not going to say that it's not also with others. It could be, I don't know. I, sure. I'm not an edging expert. Well, you're, you, got, you, got some, you got some knowledge on me already. Well, I mean, I, I've said I know a little bit about edging. Sure. I, I, you've, maybe you've I've dabbled. dabbled in edging, let's oh. say. Do you write a blog about edging? Yes. <laughs> Does that make you an expert? Of course not. No, that's what I'm saying, Colin. Yes. <laughs> I... <laughs> Am I in a club where we meet regularly at a location which and we pay rent to? And are you president of said club? Yes, of <laughs> course you are. But that does not make you an expert. Anyway, moving on. Sure. 
I think we've established that I am in casually acquainted with this concept. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, so it, it, when he's about to arrive at, his, let's say, his destination mm-hmm. in the carnal process, sure, um, he turns on the brakes. Sure, he he's, just shuts it all off. Just some sort of stamina training thing, what? or is it just is it is it a um, uh, it's a, a, some something people, you're into like being choked I or punched so. in the face <laughs> while doing it? Um, I don't know anything about those two things, <laughs> but in this particular instance of edging, it's like you walk in, you're going to walk off a cliff, but you just stop at the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, all the excitement was going to happen. Yeah. It's all a mystery. And Potential you derive, energy. And, and not you, I shouldn't say you, but no, no, persons, me. <laughs> persons derive pleasure from this people, edging, as you would call it. People I may or may not know due to our shared interest. Yeah. Yes, those types of people. This um, this podcast has taken an interesting turn right off the bat. Wow. What's well, uh, football? Where were we at? Football, that's right. I think High we were talking football about... football started, and um, uh, it yeah. took you down the edging road. Sure. Right. Well, I think we were talking about Mizzou football about sure. to start a month from now. Yeah, yeah a, month, a month later than usual, but it's coming. <laughs> that's it. And uh, everybody's on campus so far. I've, I've been encouraged by some of the pictures I've seen from the campus. Uh, they seem to be keeping students at a great deal of distance and school. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you going to do that at Harpos is another question. Well, I did see <laughs> last week... Um, I had to make a trip to the post office, mm-hmm. and um, when I was stopped at a light, a car on Walnut opened its doors, and a bunch of intoxicated, heavily intoxicated mm-hmm. people um, stumbled out, jaywalked in front of traffic, and literally staggered into this car from going from their previous bar destination to likely drunk driving to mm-hmm. the next bar destination. Sure. None of them had a mask. They were all mm-hmm. climbing all over each other. And uh, it was three in the afternoon. So, <laughs> well, uh, I guess lucky for them uh, that the, based on the description, they're probably likely to survive uh, mm-hmm. this yeah, deadly I think, plague. I think you drove their Uber. <laughs> so college football, it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mizzou is uh, staring down the barrel of a, uh, Pretty daunting task. Yeah, Alabama is the first game of the season, and LSU on the road is the third game of the and season. Tennessee squeezed in, and and while I'm not going to get on top of that, um, Tennessee's Tennessee, back out here, Colin. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get on that that uh, bandwagon. I will say that Tennessee's probably improved, and it's hard to know what Missouri will be. And we don't uh, even know who our quarterback is. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, um, I mean, this is scuttlebutt, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you scuttlebutt. I'm I'm hearing that, uh, you know. Sean Robinson is the is the choice, but Connor Bezalak is making it very difficult. Like, could win out. I mean, and most people are like, no, they're just giving it to Robinson. They're just checking that that he's the starter. But apparently, uh, if if my sources, uh, which are not good, are to be believed, that Connor is a a given old Sean Robinson all he wants for that position. Well, I don't know how many sources you need. I feel like it's. uh I feel like the internet is talking a lot on Twitter. Is, it really, about is that, that on? Is that on the Twitter box? That's I have the, not seen that. Yeah, well, I mean, that, from what I've seen, that's kind of the presumption is that uh, it's Sean Robinson has the edge, but he is by no way means is it his position. Mm-hmm. But the thing about that is, I don't know how much it even matters because. There's also a lot of talk that Drink is going to have a, maybe a multiple quarterback offense, and whoever's the number mm-hmm. one, it may not matter because the number two may get just as many snaps. Well, this is what that was explained to me: is that Sean is more athletic, and he has starting experience at, di- at the Division One level, but Blaze Lack has looked better. Incorrect. Mm. And so uh, take that with whatever a grain of salt, but. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm hearing, anyway. Well, we know that Bezalek can Incorrect. play football. We got to see quite a bit of him at the end of last season. Before his knee exploded. Right. But that, you know, that was in the final game of the year, so we got a good look at him. Um, and he was clearly, in my eyes, a lot better than Taylor Powell. I mean, that's... Well, I've heard that. It was a, I've also... I've read, and I read this at, from an actual news source that was a, said that it's a three-horse race between Robert... Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. 
Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And Blase, Lack, and Powell, but mm-hmm. I'm just, I have not heard that any, I mean, Powell's not in this conversation as far as I'm concerned. No, I mean, in, unless we're beating Alabama so bad that we just need to bleed <laughs> clock. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a two-horse race as far as, as far as I understand it. And the question for these quarterbacks, as big as anything, is who's there, who are they going to throw, throw the fucking ball to? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. Knox and Bannister are the only two names you can really think of that to even know. And it wasn't like either one of those set the world on fire. I mean, Tyler Beatty led the fucking team in receptions. I don't know, Colin, but you know, one of the things about the receiving core that I don't know, maybe I'm just being naive because I don't know a lot about who's coming on board with the receiving core. I'm kind of excited because I feel like we had some really exciting electric receivers in the Pinkle era, but I've never been that impressed with Barry Odom's receivers, and I don't know if that's the the athletes that he well, was bringing to campus or if it was just poor coaching on the receivers' end. That leads me into this. Is, so everybody's pretty stoked about uh, getting these two grad transfers. Mm-hmm. Kiki Chisholm, uh, he's a 6'4", 215 out of Angelo State, which uh, I know that is not a football powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Caleb might describe it as a letter school, but he is, uh, you know, according to the Press Box Super Friends... He- Meanwhile, back with the Press Box Super Friends. He's the guy that everybody talks about um, impressing when you ask the other players, like, who's going who's gonna to stand out this? Who's going to surprise everybody? It's this mm-hmm. Kiki Chisholm, because I guess he's just, uh, you know, he's built to play wide receiver and he's done well in practice. And then the other one is this D- Damon Hazleton. He's from, he's a wide receiver at Virginia Tech. He's a f- fifth year grad transfer. He's caught 20 touchdowns at the Division One level, which was like, hey, that's more touchdowns than anybody can think of for Mizzou in quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> so if either one of those two live up to even a monicum of the hype they're getting right now, that will be good for Mizzou. But I've also learned not to buy into the hype of the Press Box Super Friends because... Meanwhile, back with the Press Box Super Friends. Players like... Who was that? What was that player? Black from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Chris Black. Chris right. Black. Remember, he had a pretty good game. The first game never to be heard from again. And yeah. He every just year disappeared. Every year there's players like that. You know, I think we're always impressed, too. It's like, oh, he went to Alabama. He's got to be good, right? Another, for instance, uh, one of everybody's favorite uh, red-bearded Zeus character, Eric Beisel. He was went to uh, the media days. He made a lot of fiery comments. He People wanted to like Arkansas. him. And he you know, could barely uh, sniff the... The field, yeah, other than senior. other than fucking playing special teams, and then I remember Aubrey Miller. Boy, he was a team leader in the locker room. That and they couldn't tell me enough about Aubrey Miller. Uh, and he can't find the field now. According to, like I said, the papers and whatnot, is in this sort of four man rotation playing linebacker right now, along with Nick Bolton. Mm-hmm. And so I hope Aubrey Miller shows He's up because I've been injury. waiting for him to be something other than just the guy that they talked about three years well, ago. Well, he battled. I mean. He battled injury. To be fair, too. Well, it's it's a fucking football team. Who doesn't? You know what I mean? Like at some point, I got excited about Aubrey Miller. Mm-hmm. I got excited about Eric Beisel. I got excited about Chris Black. I got ex- you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm done getting excited about anybody they tell me to get excited about until they do it on the field. Yeah. Well, that's right. And I don't think that's unique to Mizzou either. I think every team sure. has got those guys. Well, look at Tennessee. They and the press for has to write about something. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tennessee for 20 years has had an exciting player up and coming. <laughs> yeah. That went they have a whole roster of them that they went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You could fucking fill two Greyhound buses well, the fucking Tennessee players who didn't piss a drop. Yeah. So this is not unique to our team is what no, I'm getting at. No. But in there's Jalen Knox, who everybody knows him, and uh, he's he's he is a speedster, and hopefully will develop into something. You know, because if, if Hazelton and, and Chisholm and, and Knox, that's play, and then Bannister maybe at the slot. Mm-hmm. You know, we could we could have a serviceable receiver core. And uh, you think uh, Daniel Parker is the tight Parker end? Junior tight end. You mm-hmm. know, like he is he, he's the name we know. Um, well, and he did snaps. He yeah, snaps I thought he was a good right. tight end. I mean, we had a lot of tight ends, so he, mm-hmm. you know, this is his time to shine. So I mean. I think the ov- offense is a question mark, but I think it's everyone, including me and you, are cautiously optimistic about it. It's when there's not a lot of pessimism with it. Everybody assumes they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, not set the world on fire, but part of that is probably that Drinkwitz is an offensive coach and he's known to be 
creative. Yeah, he's, he's going to scheme his way into some to move in the football some. Yeah, and I think I think Mizzou fans are going to be ready for that kind of thing. And I think that's really in a year where we don't know if we have the talent to compete. It's going to be fun to see what what kind of things will be up his sleeve. And expectations are going to be so low. I mean, oh Vegas has us at the over-under at three for Mizzou wins, which yeah. could easily. Yeah, we look like a three-win team when you look at the schedule. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, uh, let's say you can beat Vanderbilt and Arkansas. You only got to beat one more team. Now, mm-hmm. that would be South Carolina or Mississippi State, or maybe you sneak up on somebody like Tennessee or whatever, but – Three wins seems very doable, and I would hope for four. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And maybe I wouldn't say hey, five. When, but when four wins is your expectation as a head coach, you have found a cherry job. Well, and there's only I mean? ten games in this season too, which is <laughs> part of it. And there is no cupcakes. I mean, no. Nope. You can call Vanderbilt a cupcake, or <laughs> we struggle with them. But enough. yeah, I don't think you know what I mean. Should. But there's, I, I would say that Mizzou, barring them just to drink what's being a complete flop in his first season, is they're going to have a chance against Kentucky, against South Carolina. You know, in addition to Vanderbilt and Arkansas, there's four right there. Mm-hmm. Games that are winnable. I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but that's four wins, which makes a four-win team being on the over of that prediction of Vegas to be conceivable. That's right. What I really would like to see, and I was thinking about this on the way over, Brandon, what I would really like to see that I don't can't remember seeing in a Mizzou ga- game in a long, long time is I'd love to see Drankowitz beat somebody he's not supposed to. Because I know that the SEC network, when, you know, Mizzou would beat Florida or Tennessee – uh, these last few years, they acted like it was a big deal beating a team you're not supposed to beat. We, those teams were no better than us. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were probably better than them. I'm talking you, about beating a team I, like a Georgia or an LSU or yeah. beating Alabama, a, God forbid. Yeah, you know, a sneak up and beat a. In the old days, you'd sneak up and beat it. We beat uh, Oklahoma, right? Or uh, you know, sneak up and beat a Nebraska when they were actually good. Um, I haven't seen a Mizzou football team sneak up and really put it on somebody they weren't supposed to in a long time. And if Drinkowitz could do that. Even if it was only meant three wins, if one of those three wins was against a, a Georgia, that would certainly be wonderful. And I think it will go a long way to um, giving Mizzou fans enthusiasm for his career to come, even th- more so than beating teams you should have beat. If Drinkwitz were to beat Georgia or Alabama or somebody like that in this first year with this team he's been given mm-hmm. – I mean, I think basically he's here as long as he wants to be here. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm, he beats Alabama. Colin, no, I mean, I'm listen, telling you, that guy's bought himself five years. M- maybe so. I mean, literally, I mean, Hugh Freeze did it. Yeah, I mean, Hugh, Hugh Freeze, Freeze was living him. on that. He beat him twice. Though. That's what I'm saying. Hugh Freeze was living on that, and really, I mean, I think that's part of the reason that um, Auburn has let Malzahn. Malzahn has not been a bad coach, by necessarily, but he's hung on longer than certainly some of his uh, some of the boosters for that school would liked him to, but. Yeah, he's he also true. a guy who'll sneak up and kick Nick Saban in the teeth once in a while. And that right. certainly will buy you a little leeway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think actually he's a victim of his own success a little bit at Auburn. I mean, obviously they had success before him, but Auburn was not always in a position where they expected to beat Alabama. Every and he's year. not helped by a situation like Georgia, where Mark Ricks went in nine and ten games a season and ends mm-hmm. up getting what getting shit canned. Yeah, and if, you know people like us were like, "What are you doing, Georgia? He's a pretty mm-hmm. good coach." And then they hire uh, Kirby Smart. And they've been better. Yeah. And they go to a national championship game and they start dominating the East and you go, well, maybe getting rid of Mark Richt wasn't such a bad idea. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that shut my mouth. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Cause I, I definitely was of the camp where it's like, why are you giving up what you know is good for somebody you have no idea? I think he'll be tested this season as Ogeron because Ogeron is a guy who is all about enthusiasm. He has no doubt done good things for LSU, but um, he lost a big time quarterback and uh, how he rebounds, lose, he didn't just lose that quarterback. He lost a lot of players, and he's going to be in the position to – there's going to be a big target on their back. I don't know. We'll see. I, this, to me, will be the biggest test for Ogeron is how do you how do you bounce back when you've lost those components and everybody's looking to kick you in the teeth because you want it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people said, you know, it was obviously masterful coaching by Ogeron last year to get them to where they got and ultimately become champion. But it will be an utterly different coaching challenge, and it will be a real test of his mettle Mm -hmm. to know that you can – because Saban has had years where he's had a championship, and he comes back with another championship-caliber team the Mm -hmm. next year. This is a different thing. And that's in, as impressive as anything a coach can do is to have consistently championship level teams. And I don't know what LSU's roster look like. Um, I assume they're going to be really good. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But is it going to be? Can can they main, do what Alabama does and sort of maintain that championship level of football throughout? You know, I mean, I'm not saying LSU's going to win another championship, but can't in those years that Alabama's basically always 
nipping at the national championship mm-hmm. heels. Is LSU going to revert back to being sort of that really good football team, but still second tier to Alabama? Or are they now on that level where they are nipping at the national championship every single year? That's a hard place to be. And only Nick Saban has really lived in that neighborhood for a long time. And I think this is the conversation that all SEC fans are having whenever they look at this conference as a whole is that, is there a changing of the guard right now? And this is sort of a a crossing roads. God, I hope so. I hate Nick Saban. He's a turd. Mm -hmm. I guess. (laughs) Well, all things must end. You know what I mean? So no, sure. For sure. um, he certainly was not the best team last year. Mm-mm. So, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to watch. And also, it's just kind of interesting. It's like, how much will it mean this year? Does it mean the same or to win the SEC in the COVID year? Or is it somehow diminished? I mean, as a Mizzou fan, I think it is important. I think it's easy to have optimism when you talk about teams like Kentucky or South Carolina and Mizzou having a chance against those teams because of the defense for Mizzou. I, and I hope that I'm not wrong saying that. I hope we're not all overly confident, but they have got a lot of returning starters on the, or not starters, a lot of returning players on the defensive line. They're going to have Nick Bolton and theoretically some other talented wide receiver there or linebackers. You know, the safeties are back. They're going to have, you know, Sparks and Ware and Rake draws a new kid, but Sparks and Ware play, had snaps. I mean, we're going to have an experienced defense. Maybe it won't be all world, but I mean, you don't have to be all world to put fucking South Carolina on their heels. So imagine Drinkwitz puts together a not great offense, but a proficient offense. If the defense can sort of play to what I would say, honestly, right now, what could play to expectations, which is to be a good defense, Mm -hmm. we could sneak up and win some games. You know, I think you're right. And and I have this entire offseason had this weird, bizarre optimism that I couldn't quite explain, but you kind of got me thinking that I think the reason is when Barry Odom had his years here, he didn't field teams that were low talent teams they were always teams that looked like they had a lot of potential and then and then they never performed when they we needed them to they'd lose games they should they never won games they needed you know they never beat snuck up and beat anybody but they were always talented you know they always had good and so like it's not like barry odom is leaving the cupboard bare for Eli. So, like, I don't think you should look at this team as, like, a start from ground zero team. No, it's not, like, a lot in the that. media are doing. Yeah. If you look at our defense, like, up the middle, we're going to have white size returning, and, and everybody's pretty optimistic that he is a pretty good Division One football player. And then right behind him, you're going to have Nick Bolton, who I believe, I think most believe, is going to be playing on Sundays. And behind him, you've got two returning safeties, one of which is Gillespie, who is everybody's high on. They think he's really, really talented. So, if you're good up the middle and, and you've got some experience at the corner, you know, the, I think the, the biggest question mark for our defense is really the, the edges, you know, the defensive ends. You got Turner coming back and you hope he turns into something. But, you know, if you're if you're solid up the middle, that's a really good thing to have on defense. If you're solid in the middle, you're going to you're going to win some football games, in my opinion. I think and, all the good defenses Mizzou has had over the last 10 years, it's always started there. Yeah. And, and you know, Nick Bolton, as much as anything, not just being an all-world linebacker in the middle, but he's also the team leader. And um, I don't know. I mean, I can imagine if this COVID shit hadn't happened and we got to play our cupcake schedule, Drinkwitz would have had a really nice opportunity to sort of shock the world. And I'm not saying, you know, win a win the East or anything, but, you know, be above 500, go to a bowl in his first year. I feel mm-hmm. like that would have been conceivable. Um, and that's – maybe I'm too optimistic because that's a, that's a big ask not knowing who your quarterback's going to be. Yeah. But the defense alone uh, gave me some optimism. And I I guess I, I'm just high on Drinkwitz right now. I think everybody's high on something. They're new toys. I think that uh, Drew Locke sucked a lot of the energy out of the room for the you know three years. And then that spotlight immediately just went to Kelly Bryant because there was no quarterback um, competition, competition at all. This is the first time in a really well, long he time. He was a big grad transfer. You know, everybody wanted yeah. him and Hey, we got him and he was going to be really good. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is that like oh, teams can be successful in years that they have a quarterback competition. Mm-hmm. We just haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. It's been a really long time since we've had a true actual fight for that position. I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for Blazelak. That name is going to give me trouble (laughs) just because he's not a grad transfer. You know, we've got him for some time, and the more snaps he gets, the better he'll be conceivably be by the end of his career. And so, not that I'm rooting against uh, Sean Robinson necessarily, but we only get him for a year. Yeah, he's on borrowed time. If he doesn't start, 
in Connor Blazalak. Incorrect. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, getting those snaps is probably ultimately better for our program in the long term. Yeah, certainly as far as you know, locking up the most important position in the entire game. Colin, uh, we went from talking about edging for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Sure, it like, felt like it, good <laughs> lord. <laughs> to uh, to some actual serious football talk for a while. I'm proud of us. Yeah, yeah. It's, don't get used to it, folks. <laughs> There's more edging talk just around the corner. Right there. <laughs> That's right. When we get back, besides all the hot edging talk, we actually have a guest this week, Jacob Kornhauser from Fox Sports. Joined us from out in Los Angeles. He is a Mizzou graduate, and he wrote a book about baseball, actually. But we wanted to support our Mizzou alums, especially in the sports world. So uh, we're going to talk to Jacob, and he's going to tell you why you need to buy his book. And then we'll circle back and always have Kansas news. So stay tuned. This is the Mazzotcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor. Who is it? Well, they're called Manscaped. And oh, I know I know this product. Yeah, they sent us some stuff, didn't they? Yeah, we shaved our sweet salty balls with them. I'll tell you what. They have good stuff. I shaved, and I found a tattoo I forgot I even had. <laughs> They're the number one men's below-the-belt grooming company in America. My balls are so soft. <laughs> Who's the governing body who decides this, by the way? I don't know, but I, I believe what they're telling me. Manscaped has redesigned its electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 2, and it has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's a zero-turn mower. It gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's scrote-safe. That's guaranteed. But I can't tell you how many lacerations my ball sack used to have before we got Manscaped. Well, you shouldn't have been using that bullwhip, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. In my defense, it was a rusty lawnmower blade. But either way, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. Best day one stuff. Act now and you can get 20% off and free shipping. Just use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. you are listening to some listener music this is the long walk home by smitty the kid he's out of kansas city thank you so much for sending your music in if you'd like to get your music on the air send it to mazodcast at gmail.com and we'd be happy to play it for you on the line with us now we have uh, from Fox Sports Digital, Jacob Kornhauser, a Mizzou alum, is here to join us. Thanks for being on the show, Jacob. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so we wanted to have you because it sounds like you've got a, a sports book out, and we want to promote anything having to do with our Mizzou alums, especially our sports journalism alums. It's called The Cup of Coffee Club, and it's a baseball book. Tell us a little bit about what this book is, since I don't know if the title gives it away. Yeah, so the kind of hook of the book is it's all players who play just one game in the major league. So it's kind of 11 individual stories of guys who I spoke to who only got one game and it kind of, you know, follows their career arc toward that moment and, and afterward and then kind of their lives beyond that point. So it goes kind of chronological order based on when these guys debuted. So there's one who played his only game in 1958. That's the earliest one and the latest one. Uh, was 2008. It kind of spans a, a 50 year span. And then uh, the last chapter of the book has some older stories, uh, you know, guys who uh, have since passed. And I 
couldn't interview them, but still wanted to tell their stories uh, at the end of the book. So kind of exploring that weird and, I guess, unique club of players who have only played one game. Kind of reminds me of uh, Bull Durham a little bit. Yep, yep. Him, uh, Moonlight Graham is kind of the direct example, um, you know, from Field of Dreams, because he was a real-life player who only played one game for the Giants in 1905. So that's kind of the most pop culture relevant parallel that a lot of people have been drawing to it. So it's been interesting to kind of explore these further examples of, of Moonlight Graham. I guess all things Kevin Costner relate back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, okay, well, how did you find these guys? Like, what kind of research did you do to find guys who played one game of baseball at the major league level? Yeah, so baseball reference, as with everything that I usually look up, has some type of resource for that. So I was able to sort through and then kind of do additional research looking for, um, you know, newspaper stories from when they were playing, different stuff like that, to put together a list of guys whose stories I thought were interesting enough to include in the book. So I whittled it down to probably 25 or 30 guys that were relatively interesting enough to be able to tell their stories. And then from there, I want to be able to get about half of them. So started reaching out and, and doing all that fun stuff and ended up whittling it down to the 11 that I got. Was there one particular story or something that you had heard that motivated you to write this book? Is there something that was like the driving story? No, not particularly. I was um, actually in my senior year at Mizzou uh, working out at KOMU, and I was talking with my, my buddy Corey about um, we we were just throwing around weird like baseball stats and ideas and stuff like that. And then something popped up where I mentioned, uh, you know, someone playing one game in the major leagues, and then we both kind of like paused. And I knew it was an interesting idea, but I didn't know if uh, there were enough players or if there were too many players that it, it wouldn't be that interesting. So then once I started doing the research and realizing it was kind of in that sweet spot where there were enough guys who had gone through this to actually interview and, and make a book, but it wasn't ubiquitous. It wasn't this thing that happens all the time. So then from there, that's when I started kind of diving deep into it. Yeah, that's a, an interesting point because I had when you had told us about this topic, I I kind of had no sense of how many people that might include, you know, I didn't, didn't know. I mean, obviously there's guys that come up with like 15 day contracts or that kind of thing, but you know, one game, that's kind of (laughs) an interesting thing. I can see how it may not be a huge pool of people to choose from. Yeah. So early days of baseball, it wasn't all too uncommon. Um, Overall in history of baseball, there's been roughly a thousand, but the vast majority of that comes from pre like 1950s era. Since the 60s, there's only been about 150, so an average of maybe three guys a season. And, you know, some seasons there's none, some seasons there's five or six. But, yeah, in the last 50, 60 years, it's been a much rarer thing to see. Did you weight the stories more towards recency, or were they more of them dated in the past? Yeah, I tried tried to get uh, a little bit of everything spanning that 50-year span that I ended up getting. But I think we've got guys, let's see, from 58... 70, 75, 86, a few from the 90s, and then a few from the early 2000s. So it's relatively evenly spread out. I think it's maybe a tiny bit weighted toward more recent. Uh, about half probably come from you know, the mid to late 90s until now. But yeah, I tried to dabble in every era so that we could get a, a sense of you know what it was like in each era. Now, being a Missouri podcast that we are, I'd have to ask, is there any Cardinal or Royals players included in these stories in your book? Yeah, there's actually two Royals players. So the most recent one that we were mentioning, uh, Matt Tutman in 2008. Um, I don't know if any listeners will remember him from the Royals, but I do know when I was uh, Corey, the same guy that I had kind of kicked the idea around with, when I was telling him that I was interviewing him, he found some old baseball card of Matt Tutman that he had. And then Gary Martz uh, as well, who was from 1975. He played with the Royals. Um, he ended up playing and kind of uh, befriending Harmon Killebrew, who was playing in his, in his final season uh, in Major League Baseball for the Royals that season. So that was kind of a cool uh, Hall of Fame connection there. So it's called the Cup of Coffee Club. Obviously, people who know uh, guys who have been in sports but didn't last anywhere too long said they had a cup of coffee at this location or that location. Kind of a cool <laughs> name for the book. It's been out um, since the spring, I think, so it can be found at Amazon.com. I know that. I looked it up as major bookstores. Where else can our listeners find uh, your book? Yeah, basically anywhere you get your book. You know, I've been pointing some people to IndieBound. It helps independent bookstores, you know, especially during the pandemic and everything. Everything like that helps. So anywhere you get your books, though, BarnesandNoble.com, 
bookstore, stuff like that. You'll be able to find it if you just search the Cup of Coffee Club. All right. Well, obviously, we mentioned that you're a broadcast journalism graduate from the University of Missouri, so uh, you're in the sports realm. Have you been following our Tigers at all or the upcoming pending possible <laughs> football season? I feel like with the pandemic and everything, I have been less prepared than normal just because I, you guys probably get the sense of it too. It's just so much unknown. and We don't really know if the season's fully going to be played, what it's going to look like. Um, we're getting close enough that I guess we're about a month out. So, well, last year, I just still remember watching them lose to Wyoming on the road to open the season. So still a little scarred from that beginning of the year, even though um, what followed was probably even worse you know, after their little hot streak following that. But I don't know. I mean, it'll it'll be interesting. It's it's interesting for, for Coach Drinkwitz to have this be his first season, if that's how it comes to pass. I think it could be a blessing in disguise where it's maybe a little bit less pressure for him. But you look at their schedule, and I mean, they'll be lucky to win three games. Well, yeah, and they, uh, they opened the season with Alabama. I, I don't know. <laughs> yep. I wouldn't say less pressure is an applicable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess it will it will apply to kind of how he's viewed less, maybe. Yeah, um, oh, he, the actual pressure on the field is, is certainly going to be higher. Right. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to hold it against him if he doesn't quite beat Alabama or LSU in the first three weeks of the season <laughs> yep. of his tenure yep. at Mizzou. You know? Yeah, that's a brutal, brutal cross division draw there. Yeah, and I know that the athletic directors had a conference call not that long ago to discuss how those schedules got. Uh, laid out and they didn't specify exactly which athletic directors piped in, but you have to think Jim Sterk may have addressed that his team didn't get quite the fair shake that some of the other schools did. Yeah, that's that's about as bad as it gets in terms of drawing teams from the other the other division. Well what's your impression of Drinkwitz so far? I mean obviously it's only been recruiting wise. We haven't seen him coach a single game yet, right. but he has really uh, shown himself to be uh, adept at social media usage and have high energy uh, on display. Do you have any initial impressions? Obviously, you're two time zones away now from a you know the thirty thousand foot view. What is your right? Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like you said, recruiting has obviously been the thing front and center, and it certainly seems like he's doing a great job there, um, getting a lot of guys that you know Barry either wasn't recruiting at all or uh, wasn't able to get to come to Columbia. It's going to be interesting. I don't have any strong view. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see a guy who is more of an offensive mind, I'll say that much, and see kind of what he can do with Mizzou. It's going to be interesting, though, with the offensive line not being that good last year and then losing, you know, their three best offensive linemen on top of that. Um, if they can actually, I, I think Sean Robinson should and will win the QB battle. It just, seems like he's got too many tools not to. Mm-hmm. You know, Taylor Powell doesn't, like, get me out of bed in the morning thinking about him playing quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, Damon Hazleton coming over from Virginia Tech, you would think is going to be the clear number one option for him. So we'll see if Eli can kind of, you know, make the best with what he has right now and work a little offensive magic. And I think you'll see glimpses this year of, you know, potential – genius that he could have you know once he gets all of his pieces in place um so that's another reason why i think this year it's kind of you know there's not much to lose from his end so i think you kind of tinker with things and see what works and what doesn't um and that could be advantageous in the future yeah his reputation has obviously been that he's pretty uh pretty creative with his playbook, which is not something that Tiger fans right. have been used to seeing in the uh, both really Gary Pingle or Barry Odom here. They're pretty conventional uh, coaches when it came yes. to play calling. It'll be maybe a breath of fresh air for Mizzou fans to at least see surprises once in a while. I mean, I think we saw Barry Odom uh, fake a punt like once in his tenure, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that little fake reverse touchdown against Georgia uh, in 2013 was like the most explosive crazy, weird play that I can remember Mizzou running. And obviously it worked to perfection then, so yeah, well, I obviously, don't do that more often. Well, it's a, it's a long con, you know what I mean? If you, if you don't make a trick play every 10 years, nobody sees it coming. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're going to be one for one every decade. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Jacob, and talking a little football and talking about your book, The Cup of Coffee Club. The 11 players when they're brushed with baseball history. Jacob is associate producer for Fox Sports out in Los Angeles and obviously a Mizzou graduate. So get your copy of Cup of Coffee Club today. And uh, again, thanks for being on the show. We hope you sell a bunch of books. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. 
And now, Ray Kinsella, I want to ask you a question. What's so interesting about a half an inning that would make you come all the way from Iowa to talk to me about it 50 years after it happened? I think it's to ask you if you could do anything you wanted, if you could have a, a wish. Well, you know, I, I never got to bat in the major leagues. I'd have liked to have that chance just once, to stare down a big league pitcher, to stare him down, and just as he goes into his windup, I can think you know something he does. That's my wish, Reconcilla. And is there enough magic out there in the moonlight to make this dream come true? What would you say if I said yes? I think I'd actually believe you. Sounds like an interesting book, Colin. Uh, it's uh, all players who only ever got to play one game in Major League Baseball and what it's, happened to it's them. It's a cool concept. Yeah. I, and it, I mean, it's interesting. And uh, it always, I always wonder if you're a guy who's played one game in the bigs. Do you brag about that? I mean, or because, are you embarrassed about well, it? Well, ultimately, it's something to brag about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you've worked your whole life to get there and you only got one game, it, it may be sort of a source of shame for them at a personal level. But it's Jesus Christ, you made the big leagues, and that's a pretty hard thing to do. So, yeah, I think you hang on to those baseball cards as hard <laughs> as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably so. <laughs> do not put those in the bicycle spokes. I'll tell you what. It's an interesting topic. It's a much more interesting topic than Mizzou basketball. I'll say that. <laughs> what is it at this point? I'm telling you. I just uh, every time I every time I open uh, the old Twitter box and uh, any somebody's written an article about Mizzou basketball, and uh, I read the content and it just makes me want to stab myself in the eye with a uh, hypodermic needle. It doesn't suggest that we're like on a rocket ship to the moon. <laughs> no, it suggests that uh, Conzo Martin is a flaming turd covered in cat hair on a hot hibachi. <laughs> that's the scuttlebutt. Yeah, that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we move on from that hot garbage to a different form of hot garbage? It's time for Kansas news. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas: sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of bitches. This is Kansas news. All right. Our first story of the day. A Kansas man will pay you $25,000 to find him a girlfriend. Wow, really? That sounds like he's asking for a pimp. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's sure. It's a well-paid pimp, too. I'm curious, how awful do you have to be to offer $25,000? Grand, I know some awful people who are mm-hmm. are in committed monogamous relationships. <laughs> yeah, that you could get for a lot less. Yes, I'm. I mean, I consider Lord. I would do it for less than twenty five grand. I would feel like a woman how, would just be like twenty five grand. I'll date the guy for how, yeah. Know, how long is this going to go? Six months. On? I mean, that's a, that's you know fifty k a year if you if he double it up on a on yeah. another <laughs> on a on another run. So I mean, like so, that's yeah. I think okay, whoever this guy is, Colin and I are we're, we're available. Yeah, that's a. Uh, Let's have some more detail, Brennan. What's what's wrong with this guy? Third arm going to have his forehead. Let's um, uh, let's dig into the details. Herpes cover the entire surface area of his body. It's possible he is a Kansan. A Kansas man is asking for help in finding true love. KCTV reports that Jeff Gebhardt of Prairie Village, Kansas, launched a website dedicated to find a girlfriend. It's a project he's been working on for six months. I think he's been working on it his whole life. Sure. In some ways. Uh, Gebhardt is offering $25,000 to the matchmaker and an additional $25,000 to a no-kill dog shelter. Oh. Because... Uh, that took a weird turn. <laughs> yes, I was does. about to say, like, 50 k for matchmaker, another twenty five or 25 for matchmaking, another 25 for, like, marriage. Like, if they, if they get married... Another twenty five. Nope. No kill dog shelter. Mm-hmm. Yes, I. Strange. Does it say if he's into edging? <laughs> well, I'm sure. What kind of journalist get would this guy be? Get further down in that story, Brendan. Let's get All to right. that. Let's get to the edging. The main objective of this is to find the right girl for me, wherever she is. Gebhardt told KCTV. Here's what the guy doing this. He's given fifty grand away to find a girlfriend. What that tells the girl is that this guy has fifty grand to just throw around. Piss away. <laughs> So to speak. Does he need a matchmaker? I, I feel like you advertise this on the internet. You're going to have no shortage yeah. of women contacting yeah. you. Like, I'm looking for a man with $50,000 of discretionary income. Colin's saying, cut out the middleman. <laughs> I am. I'm in. This is this capitalism at its finest. Uh, Gebhardt says he is tired of dating, especially online dating. Hmm. After asking friends in the mental health profession some advice, he came up with a plan. Get attention by offering money. That is not a new plan. That you is know. an old, old plan. <laughs> that's I think that's the oldest profession in the world, if you, you know, <laughs> by some standards. It's, pr- it's the oldest plan. 
<laughs> yeah, not a new plan. Not a new plan. You know, that, they talk about that plan in the Bible, by the yeah, way. It's, by the way, it's in there. It's uh, well-established. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a well-established old plan. Well, get your computer ready, Colin, because yeah. Gebhardt says his website, datejeffg.com, brings visitors to a survey where they can see if they might be compatible with him. Yeah, well, so basically it's sort of like a Match.com profile. He He's going to weed out the people who don't share his common <laughs> interest in edging and not killing dogs. Right. It's a Match.com profile that no other <laughs> yeah. no other potential suitors are allowed sure, on. Sure. It's just him. You cannot swipe right nor left. Well, it's, he's obviously internet savvy. He said he's going to date online. I'm shocked. I, was, I feel like this is one of those situations where I'm going to find out some guy who didn't know Tinder exists. And as soon as he did, he's like, you know what? He's going to put his checkbook away. Yeah. Well, I think we get a little deeper dive into his psyche here. He says, you have a big number that apply. You put them through a Willy Wonka machine, and the ones that come out are the ones that would be great candidates for me. But I haven't seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory in great, quite some time. What mm-hmm. is a Willy Wonka machine, and what does it do? Exactly? I think that's not really a specific machine. It might getting hung up on the wrong <laughs> <laughs> well i think it means maybe a willy wonka-esque machine i, I remember kids like turning into blueberries <laughs> uh, anyway sorry drag, yeah. i digressed there yeah so he so he says you put them through the willy wonka machine any one of them and that's without looking at pictures or knowing the chemistry or anything gemhart says so it's picking at random sure. is what he's saying it's a long yeah, way of saying picking at random in a barrel he hopes to dwindle the list and hopefully find the right person. What do you want to bet at the end of the day, a bunch of girls with rockin' tits end up at the at the top of the pecking order, despite where their Match.com profiles might have said they are compatible with them? <laughs> it just so happens all the girls with great asses and rockin' tits One. also were the most compatible. Yeah, that's how. It's so weird. Look, that's just the algorithm, folks. Yeah, that's, the, that's how it works. It's science, <laughs> guys. It's science. Sure. I, and the girls, I mean, they feel obligated to go out with them. The science is there. Brendan, in this day and age, I know that we're, we're living in a world where people are questioning science quite a bit. Sure. But in this circumstance, science is going to work. Yeah. yeah. Science works for old. A great ass and rocking tits. That's what it. Old profession. Oldest profession. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great ass rocking tits. Always felt like uh, both parties left getting what they asked for. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yep. Anyway, uh, moving on. Colin. Do you want to take a stab at the age of our good friend Jeff Gebhardt of Prairie Village, Kansas? He's got to be old enough to have made some money. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to be old enough to be a little bit desperate, mm-hmm. uh, but young enough to still be internet savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all good factors. What does that lead to? I'm, I'm doing some my own algorithm mm-hmm. over here. Sure, you, and, sure uh, it is. We know he's into edging, and that's mm-hmm. not something that, you know, that's... I think we That's just something assumed the kids that. are in. Oh, you want, you're right. We didn't read that. We just assumed it. No, I think we should. I'm going to say 37. 37. Well, I wish I could play along with you. This is where we really need Caleb to sort of bounce off of you here. But Jeff Gebhardt of Prairie Village, Kansas, who's paying $50,000 to get him a girlfriend, is 47 years old. Now it's a little off. I probably should have went higher. I immediately when I said that, I felt like that. Does he understand how much sex $50,000 can buy him and how much frustration that might come with a girlfriend that's associated with that sex? I mean, in I Kansas, really, too. Yeah, I mean, you know but, what I mean? Like they talking about getting them. I don't know. It's not sure. I'm, the more I think about this plan, I just have to think the laws are a little hazy here. I mean, sure. well, I'm not saying it is prostitution, but it's certainly dancing around the edges of <laughs> yeah. it. You know what I mean? And we know that in Kansas, that's probably a big no-no. <laughs> yeah, it's well, a lot of places it is. Next story, Kansas man planted his own poppies in effort to make heroin. I appreciate the sort of ambitious, industrious nature of this. It's kind of a farm-to-table heroin dealer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Make your own See that guy at your farmer's market. (laughs) Hey, you know, it's not that different from the essential oils ladies. maybe he just got tired of his heroin being cut. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sick of this. I want want the the good stuff. How do you get caught? I feel like you only get caught, uh, you know... Growing your own poppies to make heroin by being a little too vocal about what you're up to I on wonder, social media or what have you. I think it's probably hard in Kansas because what you get is a lot of uh, Wizard of Oz reenactors wanting to run through the poppy fields, you know. Hmm. And so you get a lot of people who don't belong in your poppy fields. I mean, where to, does this guy live? Is he, like, is he, in, is he in the Topeka, Can- Kansas. Oh, he's in Topeka. Yeah. So I was like, it's got to be a populated area because if you live in buttfuck nowhere, Kansas, you could, I feel like you can get away with planting an acre or two of poppies. With Do you have really any noticing. sense of how much poppy? You'd have to grow to get, I don't know, I don't know, any heroin to feed one heroin addict and his family and his family. I feel like it wouldn't take that much. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like this guy is just his plan. I, I don't think you go, location. I don't think you go through the effort to 
plant your own poppies for heroin if you're not thinking about selling a little on the side. No, that's, that could be true. You, you know, know otherwise you can not get usually heroin. this industrious. You know, <laughs> you know, People that, can so. get heroin, sure. you know, without, you know, well, even farming. Even if you sell it, I mean, you, you feel like a... I feel like this guy got caught before he got the got the plane off. Of well, we haven't read a word of the story you're yet, right, you're so right. we could get we could dive in I, and yeah, find out. He could have been selling heroin for ten years. <laughs> a Topeka, Kansas man was charged today with growing thousands of poppy plants at his home in Clay County, Kansas, according to U.S. Attorney Stephen McAllister, who is our new friend. After is it Tom Beal? Yes, that's right. Former U.S. Attorney. Tom Beale moved on, we found out. He yeah. was the guy who Sick had to deal with all these crazy Kansas people. So now poor old Stephen McAllister is our favorite. Yeah, you can Kansas. run in the meat grinder. <laughs> Expect to hear his name every week. Uh, <laughs> 43-year-old Matthew Pfeiffer of Morganville, north of Salina, is charged with one count of attempting to make opium, one count of manufacturing Thebane, the constituent of opium, and one count of using a telephone for drug trafficking. There you which are. is there a very is. weirdly specific... There Why isn't it, is. it just drug trafficking? Why isn't know. using the telephone while drug trafficking? The indictment alleges the investigation began when the DEA and the Riley County Police, which I'm sure were a big help, mm-hmm. uh, received information that Pfeiffer was growing poppies and planning to manufacture heroin. On June 4th, law enforcement officers served a search warrant to Pfeiffer's home where they seized more than 4,000 poppy plants. If convicted, Pfeiffer could face up to 20 years in federal prison and a fine of $1 million on the charges of attempting to manufacture controlled substances and four years and a fine of $250,000 for the telephone count. Hmm. Well, I tell you what, they've made it so hard to get the ingredients to meth now, Britain. Yeah. That's, people are going to, you know, people are going to stop trying to sell drugs. They're just going to start finding a different drug that's easier to to manufacture the methamphetamines. Yeah. I, so, <laughs> growing your own poppy seems I'm not very... Saying just, con- I'm not saying it's a good plan. Yeah. It seems so conspicuous. But you can't buy the ingredients to make meth anymore. And we all know Kansas loves meth. Mm-hmm. Um, we all do know that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so... And it's just too difficult to get that job done. Maybe planting a thousand poppy plants in, around your home is, um, I don't know, easier. Yeah. I don't know that opium poppies are all that easy to get. I don't know. I, I mean, they... Who knows? Maybe you can get a seed pack at your local I'll garden center. Uh, I'll tell you what topic we need Caleb for. <laughs> That's right. We're talking about black tar heroin, <laughs> yeah. his favorite thing in sure, the world. Sure. All right. Let's move right along. Final story of the day. A Kansas man reached into his couch for his keys, discovered a six-foot boa constrictor. <laughs> yeah, there we go, Kansas. Who hasn't had that happen to them? Yeah, I feel like this takes a real turn for the Kansas, yeah. this last story. It just feeds into that narrative that every... Trailer in Kansas is filled with crumpled monster energy drink cans and snakes and reptiles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody's got to. Somebody's got to. You got to have swords on the wall and snakes and in some sort of aquarium and a television way more expensive than your lifestyle would say that you should own. Yeah, you're yeah. talking about like Selma and Patty. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Kind of. They got that. It's a jub 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 jub. It's not a snake, <laughs> but yeah, that's you know you're you're picking up what I'm. Yeah, right they, they got that vibe of you know. Hey, let's not hang out in my house, stinks. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, art or you know art that hangs on my wall, katana blades. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> now, just hand me another monster energy drink. That's right. That's right. There are a lot of things you might expect to find inside your couch. A six-foot snake is probably not one of them. <laughs> this is that a, is true. This is one of those journalists that gets cute with the story. Oh, you know what I mean? Boy. Good. You know, but here's what I don't like about it is, you know, right away nobody died. You know what yeah. I mean? They're not going to take gets, that tone. Nobody gets cute if the boa constrictor then <laughs> swallowed the manhole. <laughs> his three-year-old. Or his dog, you know. <laughs> Uh, it was <laughs> there, That's a see. shame Yeah, that's a real pity It was a set of keys that a man from Rose Hill, Kansas was looking for uh, Monday when he dug under the furniture's cushions at his home But instead, he found an enormous snake So It sounds like it's pickable You know what, again, I wish Caleb was here He has a story very similar to this Only he found an enormous dildo of the girlfriend of mm. his roommate mm-hmm. He said the thing was enormous <laughs> Is this a real story? Yeah, it's a real story. Like he described it, I believe, as like making love to a Pringles can. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he said he found it in their couch. God, I wish Caleb was here because he would tell it obviously much better than I'm just sort of glossing over it. So the next time we do a show, listeners, remind us via Twitter <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Like, we need to get Caleb next time to Britain, tell. Yeah, puts a tweet out that uh, we're about to record the show. Like, <laughs> Caleb giant dildo story. Please. Lost and found dildo, Caleb. <laughs> just hashtag it however you'd like. We'll find it. 
(laughs) (laughs) We digress. I figured the keys slipped through the couch cushions, and and so when I moved them, there was a giant brown snake, the man said, during a 911 call. (laughs) While the city's police department usually handles animal control, no one knew what to do with the snake, which was identified as a red-tailed boa constrictor. Mm, How how in God's name? (laughs) I think that's the crux. Yeah. That's what we're – I mean, that's really – Every single Kansas news article could end in how how in God's name how in God's name did this happen? Brendan, oh, I left out a detail. The story I do remember mm-hmm. it had a label on it. I think it was called the Home Wrecker. <laughs> what a great name for a dildo! But you're you're not lying. No, this is a good story, uh, Brendan. Okay, I mean, like, well, well, let's hope Caleb comes back. All right, listeners, hashtag Home Wrecker. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is how we'll know yeah that we yeah. Uh, we need to circle back to this yeah sure so hashtag. get on twitter after you listen to this episode tell your friends hashtag yeah. homewrecker mm-hmm. all right let's finish out this kansas news story let's do that all right luckily butler county fire district three had a snake charmer of its own <laughs> again with the journalist and cutesy <laughs> hilarious Deputy Fire Chief Melvin Linnett safely wrangled the snake out of the couch. The reptile was very docile and very gentle, Butler County Chief James Wozniak said. The fire department has yet to find the snake's owner, so for now, the intruder is spending his days at the Tails and Scales Pet Shop. I assume the guy who found a snake in his couch, he maybe didn't expect the snake, but he knew there was a snake Yeah, he's around. like, hey, my roommate's got a snake. Kind yeah. of like Caleb's roommate had a girlfriend who liked giant dildos. Named the Home Wrecker. Yeah, Hashtag sure. Home Wrecker. Yeah, that, I mean, I didn't realize that it would just be a random snake in yeah. a man's house. Well, and it's that not like you found a nightmares. snake native to Kansas. I'm pretty sure boa constrictors, not native to Kansas. Kansas. That's what I'm saying. That, that, yeah, there are not a lot of them just laying around couches. Well, one I, would think. I imagine a lot of people get arrested in Kansas for, like, say, methamphetamines in their trailers full of monster energy drink. Their snakes are just left, you know, sort of to their own devices as those people go to federal prison. And then those snakes eventually escape. <laughs> and then they're just roaming yeah. trailer parks. And eventually you're going to find one in your couch. Yeah. And usually, you know, the weather here kills them, does God's work, kills them off for us. But down in Florida, they stay around. Mm -hmm. Let's see. We've got at least a dozen calls from as far away as Jacksonville, Florida, on people wanting to adopt the snake. Police chief said, it's a very unusual case for us. Mm -hmm. I think you need to drop the case. There's no crime. It's just the snake, drop the snake off at the weird animal place and you're done. Yeah. Wash your hands of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. If an owner does not come forward, the boa constrictor might be donated to a program that visits local schools to teach children about reptiles. Let me tell you what's going to happen right now. What's not going to happen is mm-hmm. no owner is coming forward. You think any owner of an exotic animal is going to walk into a police station and say, may I have my weird snake that I don't know if I need a license for or not? Yeah. No. No. That snake is... I've Free. had a couple of friends who own snakes uh, at <laughs> one time or another. That's enough right now. You know, and... uh I just, I mean, I'm not saying it's not, I have no interest in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I've never been fascinated by snakes and certainly never wanted to own one or care for one. Um, I remember watching one of my buddies feed it mice and just thinking, uh, this is grotesque. Yes. I know. Well, not, I didn't, I did not, not I didn't enjoy this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was always pretty happy with a dog. Yeah. But there is a small section of people who enjoy it, many yeah. of them living in Kansas. Mm-hmm, and, uh, I'm not I'm not condemning it, Brennan. It's just not my jam. Well, I do feel like to be a real pet, you need to have like a, some mutual companionship. Affection. Or affection, yeah. Mm-hmm. And anyone who tells me that they do have affection with their reptile of any sort. Is I'm going to assume is they're a, using it like the home wrecker if they do. You, I'm assuming they're at least a lunatic. You know what I mean? Like no. <laughs> They've murdered someone. Yeah, That's, they're not a normal, as we call it. Maybe not murdered someone, but definitely fantasized about it and been at the edge of it, edging again. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a, a different form. theme. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, I've had a friend who had a snake too. And I'm going to say this is overwhelming part of owning a snake. Piss smell. <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, you're you know not wrong. I mean? It's piss smell. And drugs. <laughs> There's, there has never been a snake aquarium or whatever you call it, terrarium, that did not live in the home of a drug user or drug dealer. And it, it always smells like piss. 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's not a generalization. I feel like it's just facts. I think we've covered what Mizzou football needs covered. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the, the Mizzou fans come to this podcast mm-hmm. uh, for a reason, Britton, and we've, let's, let's we've be done honest. it again. If they've stuck around this point in the podcast, 
Yeah, they're real friends of ours. Yeah, I mean, really they're people who are our friends. They feel close to us. Yeah, I and we love you more mm-hmm. than the people who just started the show and gave us five minutes and realized what trash we were. And <laughs> You're sure sent us on our way. We are trash. Yeah, that's right. So uh, next time, like I said, Colin, we got a real teaser in Caleb potentially joining us once and more. Telling us a re- story about a homewrecker. I can't wait, and I can't wait to get those Twitter hashtags homewrecker sent to us. Basically, it would be our last show before the season starts, probably. Really? I, I guess so, because September 26th is yeah. our first game. I can't remember who we're playing. It um, is now the 24th. We've been trying to do this once every two weeks, so mm-hmm. it's going to be and right And we have managed to do it somehow. Yeah. So God bless us. Yeah. Anyway, yes, it's uh, it's coming quickly. And I don't know. I mean, kind of hope there's no news until then. You know what I mean? Because news means no season, I feel like. You know, there'll be <laughs> yeah. some new th- development. Yeah. But it is going to be the weirdest season. And I feel like everybody has just sort of said – the hell with it. We're going to ride this this out, especially in the SEC. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm optimistic we're going to have football. So you know, hopefully one more episode, and then you're be get, you're going to get those uh, game day episodes or episodes about the game. M I Z Z O U. What a great name for a dildo. <laughs>